0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
1: Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom, and uh, I'm... Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the kingdom of God, and we're going to continue a lively discussion that we've had on the network. If you were not on the network, then you missed it, and the way you get on the network is to go to preparingyou.com, and you join the email group that covers the area in which you live. If you live in Missouri, you would go to a group that would uh, just go to the network links and go to the Missouri one, and it will put you on the correct group. If too many people get on one group, we will split it off by uh other states or by local towns or whatever. but that's the way you get on that email group. but then there is another email group you get on to if you become a part of the living network, which you become you actually do what Christ said and sit down in the tens hundreds and thousands, and you gather with other you know nine other families that uh that are gathering, like Christ said, to gather. And then you start doing what Christ said, loving one another, uh, occasionally rebuking one another, challenging one another. And you form a vast network that was the early church because the kingdom of heaven is like a net. And that's what he's talking about. That's what Jesus said. And he commanded that his disciples make the people sit down in these tens, hundreds, and thousands. It's the way in which the early church was organized before Constantine. And uh, they took care of one another and they they provided uh, shelter when necessary, food when necessary. Uh, There were periods of time in the first few decades of the church where thousands upon thousands of Christians had to just suddenly pick up and leave town. Uh, They did this, of course, in uh, Rome. Under Claudius, and they did it again in, uh, uh, Jerusalem. They had to flee. There was an army completely surrounding Jerusalem. And, uh, the gates opened up, and that was a signal to get out of town. And Titus, who was the Roman general, uh, in a way, a minister of God, because he was fulfilling prophecy, he gave the Christians free pass to go through the military lines. This was easy because they weren't taking anything with them. They weren't allowed to take anything with them. They had to leave everything behind, even their extra coat, uh, their money, their food, everything they had to leave behind because the Jews that had seized the city and taken control and thrown James off of a wall and were trying to do things their own way wouldn't let them take anything. And this is all chronicled in uh, Josephus and... Uh, And it was prophesied by Christ and they, the Christians came out singing because they had some place to go because they knew the kingdom of God is like a net and they had created a network from Ephesus to Corinth to Rome itself and they had a place to go and they had people who would help them get there. I remember in the Bosnian crisis there were people being driven out of their homes and uh, one of the things that the I don't know you want to call them rebels or freedom fighters would do to the people is take their shoes away and drive them out of town. And so you had women and children trying to cross over the mountains barefooted and wrapping rags around their feet. And, uh, they didn't have quite the network that Christ had told the people to create. And so they, they ended up having to depend upon the U.S. military for, uh, dropping tents and of course they didn't have a bunch of kids shoes so they didn't drop those and food and supplies but who are you going to call if you have to suddenly leave town there was just evidently a tornado down south and it's kind of devastating i'm sure there will be a lot of christian people christian churches out there helping the people and that's great but is it really kingdom are they really sitting down in the tens hundreds and thousands Uh, organizing themselves on a day-to-day basis now in what is now really good times to prepare those those familial and and uh, community links that will be so important during hard times but anyway so we're going to talk about Romans 13 a little bit today because that's what those posts were about and I I uh, responded this morning on the network. I responded yesterday on the network to different things that people said. And people said a lot of different things. Most of it was pretty positive. You know, I, one of the challenges that i have been facing me is how do you communicate the kingdom of God to people when they are often under such a strong delusion? Now, people are waking up. They'll see bits and pieces of the puzzle. And they'll say, oh, well, I know this is not right and I know this over here is right and and but they they don't get the full picture because evil has done a very good job of deceiving people over the last 2,000 years which is a fulfillment also of prophecy you know people people try to pretend that it's still the first century you know that's why we mentioned you know what IBT Indianapolis Baptist Temple was doing wrong I went there I talked to uh, Dickens and I talked to his son and I talked to other people there and they they brought me the paperwork that they had been filing with the attorney Cunningham who has now passed away. I didn't I didn't read it for 120 seconds and I knew what the problem was. I mean just just I went right to it and knew what the problem was and explained it and it's explained in an article on preparing you and at it. its holychurch dot org. And I'm not sure if it's on Preparing You. It is at hostholychurch.org. But I explained exactly what they were missing and I explained it to Pastor Dixon. I got one of these deer in the headlight looks. <laughs> you know, he didn't disagree with me. Uh, but he was, uh, you know, it was kind of after the fact. They had made some serious errors and, uh, and actually, It was the words of the judge that made me realize what they were missing. Because the judge was literally telling them what they had wrong. But it does it in kind of a roundabout sort of way. So you, you may not get it unless you're really listening to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's all laid out in the article and it's not what this call is about. This program is about, podcast is about so we won't go into it if you want to look it up and join the network and ask some questions we'll show you cuz we've written whole books explaining what you got wrong and why using the bible showing what Christ instructed his ministers to do if you don't do that you ain't his ministers that's it you know people and we talked about this last week i think it was or at least in the last couple of weeks you know, the 10-minute uh, Bible hour guy, Matthew, I think his name is. I can't remember his whole name. Uh, smart guy. But when he was talking about the church, he was correlating it to all kinds of institutions and organizations which are not the church. Just because you say you're the church, you're not the church. Just because you say you believe doesn't make it so. And so there's a lot of things going around saying that they're a church, or the church, or his church, and they're not. And I'm not saying that we are his church, except that we are striving to conform to Christ and do what Christ said. And we lay it out, show you what Christ said. And if you just say, well, that doesn't matter. I don't want to do that. I just want to ignore that. That's not really what I think is important. If Christ said it, it's important. So, you know, if you're going to throw out, pick and choose what Christ said, and I'm not going to do that because that doesn't make any sense to me, even though it made enough sense to Christ that he said it, you know, you have to deal with it. And But the problem is that people cling to their delusions, and maybe we'll get around to it. Uh, I have did a lot more research on uh, the vaccines because we have... A bill 3063 in Oregon that has already passed Congress and now going to the Senate that is going to force mandatory vaccinations on every man, woman, and child in the state of Oregon. That's what they want to do. It's crazy. But people have a religious clinging to the idea that, oh, if, if you don't get vaccinated, I'm in danger. If the vaccine works, why are you in danger? I mean I I you can you can ask that question you can google it and there's all kinds of articles up telling you hey uh yeah people ask you know if if your kids are vaccinated why are you afraid of unvaccinated kids doesn't the vaccine work well actually they admit it doesn't always work now there's different figures as to why it doesn't work but uh those you know sometimes they say one percent sometimes they say five percent sometimes they say ten percent they don't work and uh you know so that your child is literally as if it is an unvaccinated child it's it's going around it can get the sickness and it can spread it to others the truth is most vaccines live virus vaccines can shed live viruses to other people round about you. And so people are saying, oh, I want to keep my kids away from your kids if you don't get the vaccination because you're dangerous. Well, actually, I don't want my kids near your kids when you get the vaccination because you, according to the CDC and everybody else, can be shedding live viruses. And those live viruses can mutate. And now you're talking about forced vaccinations you're talking, you know, 100 million people forced vaccinated, 200 million people forced vaccinated because you older people need to get a, if you're born after 1953, you need to get your booster shots. The reality is, is that that is an opportunity for mutating some of these viruses to a very dangerous level. But anyway, I'm getting off on the subject, but the reality is there's a lot more and I added a great deal more you know, Wakefield, who people say it's been proven that Wakefield was a fraud and all this stuff. No, it hasn't. Actually, it's been proven that he wasn't a fraud <laughs> in the High Court of England. There was, there was a guy who was making these accusations, a newspaper reporter, who was paid by a newspaper owned by, uh, Rupert Mur- Murdoch, whose son is on the board of directors for the company that owns the MMR vaccine patent. <laughs> so, so, and and all his accusations came out years after the, the Wakefield report, which has not been contradicted, has not been proven wrong, but you wouldn't know that from what you're reading in the newspaper because they had to defame him and absolutely try to prove that what he had done was incorrect and there is no one who has... Even the retraction of the other doctors involved in the study, there's a dozen doctors involved in the study, wasn't really a retraction. They wanted to see the work continue, and they actually quoted from the uh, the report in their supposed retraction. But if you read the retraction, it really doesn't retract anything. <laughs> so, they just were under tremendous financial pressure to say something or they would lose funding and you know but they've all been reinstated Uh, but anyway uh, that's another whole subject the point is is that we have lots of delusions and we cling to those delusions you know like the delusion that somehow vaccines eradicated polio we show on the page it doesn't do it so what does Romans 13 actually say You know, when we look at the translation in the King James Bible, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Now, some translations talk about that word power as if it is government power. Nowhere in Greek language is that word, exousia, used to define government power. It defines the right to choose. You were given a right to choose. From the beginning, from the garden, you were given a right to choose, either the tree of life or eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you were told what would happen. And it did. And you became subject to strong delusions because you are now going to decide things for yourself instead of by the inspiration of God. And you are cutting yourself off at the same time because you can't eat both trees, you're cutting yourself off from the tree of life. The tree of life is is a tree of power. It is a tree of love. It, and love is a power. It is a utility. And when you it's not a good feeling, it's not emotion. It's it's something much more powerful than than emotion. Emotion is a chemical reaction in your physical body. But real love is a spiritual reality that moves through you and and controls the very epigenetics of your being. It is a spiritual epigenetics, so to speak. But anyway, we'll talk more about that at another time. But if that word power is the right to choose, which is defined as such, even in your regular concordance, It is actually even translated as liberty and right in the same Bible. And we put the word liberty there. Let every soul be subject unto the higher liberty, for there is no liberty but of God, and the liberty that be or are ordained of God, and whosoever therefore resisteth the liberty, the right to choose, resisteth the ordinances of God. What are the ordinances of God? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Attend to the weightier matters. That is the liberty that God grants you, to do a job, to dress it and keep it. That's the liberty that God is giving you. He's not giving you the liberty to just go do your own thing. He's giving you the liberty to do His thing. If you want to go do your own thing, you're probably eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not eating of the tree of life. God did not institute governments over men. God instituted liberty in men to do His will because His will is life. That is the tree of life, so anyway, those who resisteth receive to themselves damnation, condemnation. We can go into that, but I've already done all this in another thing. so what I've done, if you go to uh, the Romans thirteen page in uh, preparing you, you can uh, you'll see a list there uh, in the table of contents, and you go down to the Bible text, and I have over there on the right hand side. Uh, comments verse by verse so in that first verse higher power is the original power to choose or the liberty to choose granted by God to man that's the higher the original power was granted to you it wasn't granted to government we didn't have any kind of governments really who exercised authority until Cain created one but anyway, many... And I'm not going to draw the exact picture of those times because it would be too confusing and we want to stay uh, focused. But uh, it talks about many resisting the responsibility of that liberty, that power to choose by giving their power to choose to rulers and lawmakers, which is a rejection of God. And if you go to Samuel 8, it talks about that in great detail they were rejecting god they were going to elect a ruler to rule over to them to exercise authority one over the other they were told if they decided to do that uh, it would be considered a rejection of god but they could do it if they created a constitution that had five elements in it warning them that they didn't put all five elements in, and then it would get worse and worse and worse and of course the, the law needs to be written on your heart, and if the law is written on your heart, you would not be picking that king, that ruler, that prime minister, that president. You wouldn't be doing it. You wouldn't need to do it. But the reality is you've gone so far away from the kingdom, if you, if you suddenly removed all these kings and presidents and prime ministers and congresses and parliaments, you would have total chaos. You would have death and murder in the streets and people starving and killing and burning down cities and everything else. They'd burn down their own city uh, because they weren't getting the freebies that they've been getting from the rulers, kings, presidents and prime ministers of the world. It, it is just astounding uh what people would do. It would be absolute chaos. So those men are there right now in place. But what should you be doing? Should you be looking to them, praying to them for your benefits, or should you be turning around and thinking another way and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, that's a no-brainer. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But what does that look like? So, in verse 3, the rulers are not a terror to good works, it says here. And this is one of the controversies that come up. Always does. And it's very reasonable because we have these preconceived notions as to what's really being said there because... Of the terrible translations that you see, at, at least in the King James, you know, if once you understand that that word powers is the word that means right to choose or the liberty to choose or, you know, that, that power to choose and not actually government, it, it does in a way mean government because when you have the power to choose in a pure republic, you are the government. You might elect men to do certain tasks to provide certain services, but you're the government. No one else is the government. Everybody shares. You know, in the United States federal government, they have the division of powers. There are three branches of government. Uh, you know, the, you have the judiciary and the executive branch and the, uh, you know, legislative branch. There's actually four. It's not what Ocasio-Cortez says, (laughs) but the fourth branch of government is you as an individual. But in the kingdom of God, there's only two branches of government. There are the ministers uh, appointed by Christ and everybody else. And so the division of power is between everybody else. It's not a democracy. You can't get nine people together and rule that you have to pay them money or that you have to give them your coat, or any crazy democratic thing like that. But you are responsible, and you have to choose to sit down together and tend to the weightier matters. You are the government. A lot of people don't realize that. I've talked about that recently. The kingdom of God is a civil government. But the civil power of that government is in the hands of every elder. Not collectively, individually. Well, that takes a certain kind of soul to individually sit down without losing a temper and storming out of the room and wandering off from the congregation saying they don't agree with me so I'm not going to have anything to do with them. That's just the tyrant in you. Trying to exercise authority one over the other. Christ would sit down. He would sit down with publicans. He would sit down with all sorts of people. Because he's not afraid. You just have to sit down and do what's right let the devil storm off you stick it out so anyway the rulers are not a terror to good works it says but to evil who's the rulers there are no rulers the ministers of the kingdom are not rulers they do not exercise authority you need to exercise authority you are to make the choices of who gets what and now you don't want to micromanage your minister but he can't tax you; you have to contribute. But anyway, we'll explain this in great detail when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, as we were saying in in, the, in this verse three, we see this: uh, the rulers are not a terror to good works. And some people think those are the ministers of Christ, but this is only talking about Christ's government. No, he's not. There were multiple jurisdictions going on at that time, all over the Roman Empire. The, the, the ministers of Christ were working daily in the temple, back there in Judea. Judea had passed a rule, and this is really important because this is actually going on right now in, in, in the United States, and actually, I see it in some of the other foreign countries. I'm not looking at the governments of every country, so I can't say it's everywhere. But I suspect that you'll see elements of it almost everywhere. That by their own rules, they will cut their own throats. They will fall on their own sword. They will break their own rules so that they lose their power. But that doesn't give you power. You're only going to get power if you lay down your life for Christ and start submitting to the ways of Christ. And then then your church won't get bombed. (laughs) Maybe the building will, but you won't be there because God will be guiding your steps. But if you keep trying to decide things, what is good and evil for yourself, with your own vanity, you're not going to hear the Holy Spirit. You have to put on this way of Christ where He walked in humility. Not in authority over men, yet when he spoke, he spoke with authority. So what is that all about? And really, this, this journey is a deep journey within yourselves. So anyway, in, in that verse three, he's talking about rulers that he's not talking about the ministers of Christ. He's talking about the rulers in the world, the rulers of the unrighteous mammon, Caesar who he says, if you owe Caesar, pay Caesar. A lot of people says, well, I'm not a part of Caesar's government anymore. I'm a part of Christ's government, and I'm not going to pay Caesar anymore, so they don't pay their taxes. But they aren't a part of Christ's government. They're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They have no daily ministration. They, they say they care about others, but they are not forming a vast network because they don't see the kingdom as a net, they, like Christ said it was. They see the kingdom as them doing whatever they dang well please. That's not what Christ said. Christ gave specific instructions to his ministers. And taught those ministers taught it to the people. And the people sat down and formed this network of charity instead of the network of force, fear, and violence that was created by Caesars of the world. But Jesus doesn't make the seizures of the world go away because they still have a job to do. Now, on an individual basis, if the Holy Spirit is actually working through you, and we know this by what you do, then you will be doing what Christ said to do and what the early church was doing. If you're not doing that, then you need to take a look at whether or not you're listening to the, all the messages of the Holy Spirit are just picking and choosing what you want. So he says these rulers are not a terror to good works. And I've, I've told stories before where I've been in, in the state capitol, I've been in, in courtrooms for other people, and I've seen, uh, and, and I've dealt with street preachers and, uh, and mobs on the street, and they bowed to the Holy Spirit they submitted to the holy spirit they could not do their violence because the holy spirit kept you know controlled them not me the holy spirit controlled them they are subject you know you're supposed to be able to crush this serpent and the scorpion if you're getting beat up on a regular basis by the rulers of the world you're probably not doing something right. So think about that. Anyway, you know, Christ's plan works. Repentance works. You need to get a hold of that and realize that if things aren't working out, maybe you're not working the way you need to be working. You're not doing what you need to be doing. So who are, he says, they're a terror, not to good works, the real good works, not this nice guy works, but the works of God but they are to the evil. So, they're a terror to evil. What's evil? Well, obviously, those of you who have been listening for a long time know that the the works that are evil are covetous practices. I mean, Peter points it out. Uh, and that would be like socialism and communism, which are on the rise in the world today. But th- that we should not fear that if we're really doing what Christ said. You know, I mean, obviously it's not a good thing, and there is reason to be afraid, but not if you're really doing what Christ said, which is things like sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and loving one another. Not trying to impose your doctrines or your, what you think everybody else ought to do on everybody else, but you start just focusing on what you need to do according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you have to be still to know what that is. In other words, not not wanting to exercise authority over everybody else. Which makes it a lot easier to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But anyway, we know it was prophesied that those covetous practices would make men merchandise and curse children and make them a surety for debt. They can't just get out of the system once you become a surety for debt. You can't just roll back the clock to the first century. You're going to have to deal with the fact that you have become merchandise and you have been cursed by the actions of your parents. Of course, you have to forgive your parents. I'm not saying to blame everything on them. That's one of the big problems. We're always trying to blame everything on everybody else. No, we're a part of this same thing. Especially if you haven't sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and you have not been walking in the ways of Christ. Well, then you're still to blame because you haven't fully repented. So, you need to do that to undo this merchandise, cursed children, surety for debt prophecy that has already taken place. You can't just pretend that it's the first century. Your claim to be a first century church will not cut muster. Uh, and most of you aren't even in a church. You're not in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You may have some sort of congregation. But you do not. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm going to challenge your delusions. Because I want to see you completely awaken to the ways of Christ and learn to walk in the ways of Christ. So in verse 4, if you choose to have rulers, kings, presidents, prime ministers with their congress and parliament, you are to include five things in your constitution as instructed by God and his Holy Spirit in Deuteronomy 17. Now there's live links on the page We'll take you and explain what those five things are. Those five things are not in the Constitution of the United States. I think the world of some of the guys who got together in early America, my own great-great-great-grandparents were back there. They've been here in this country since 1600s, at least some of them. By the time you get back that far, you get about 2,000 grandparents. Um, but they're, uh, we have grandparents who were over here very early on, very early on. And, uh, actually we may have some grandparents that were here even before that. But, uh, anyway, uh, the point is, is that, that, that the United States federal government is not a biblically correct government, but yet it can be a minister for good. And, uh, but it can also be a terror if you're not doing what Christ said, if you're still engaged in the covetous practice. Now, a lot of guys say, I don't want any of the benefits and I want to declare myself free. That's not enough. That's not repenting. Just just not taking the benefit is not repenting. It is not conforming to Christ. You have to become the benefit in the kingdom. In other words, you have, that's why you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and actually start loving your neighbor as yourself and forming that kingdom of God, which is like a net according to Christ. Now there's more to it than that, but we're just covering the basics. You gotta get those ideas and accept those ideas in your head. So the second part of this where I I talk about this verse four is the people were warned in first Samuel eight. And have a live link there that the rulers they choose would take and take and take and take and take until they cried out. And when they cried out, God would not hear them. And so you, you have decided that, oh, well, the governments of the world are bad and wicked and I'm going to cry out and I'm just going to save myself by saying I'm out of the system. No. How do you get God to hear you? Well, you can't be like Saul. That's for sure. That was one of Saul's problems. He couldn't hear God anymore. But yet he was still actually providing a service for God. Unwillingly, but he did it himself. He did a foolish thing. He forced an offering. Which was the beginning of the fulfillment of Samuel's prophecy in in, uh, chapter 8. He began to take and take and take and take. He appointed men over. Um, along comes David and he tries to number the people and centralize the government by building a central stone temple. He, he repented and put off those things. He, he stopped numbering the people for a draft to force the people, because he, he was going to take their sons and daughters, see, which is also a fulfillment of the prophecy. Now Solomon did that. He put heavy yokes on the people. He chastised them with whips. And Rehoboam wanted to chastise them with scorpions. And we have a live links; so you can go look up what, what I'm talking about. All this is more rejection of God and it was becoming a heavier and heavier burden on the people. What did the people do? Well, they divided the kingdom and they warred against each other. They did not repent. I mean, they regretted having chosen a king, but they did not repent. Now, there were probably some that kind of did and just went off. But they left the kingdom and they became the lost sheep. Christ comes along. Here's a king after God's own heart, who has God's own heart. And he is tempted. You know, to exercise authority, turn stones into bread, to rule over other people, but he won't do it. Uh, he and his sons, like Gideon says, my and my sons will not rule over you. This is the king you want. This is the spirit that we need in ministers. Because they have to have that spirit of Christ in ministers. They don't want to rule over it. But nature abhors a vacuum. If we're not going to rule over you, who is going to rule over you? Is is God ruling over you? Well, then I would definitely find you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, loving one another. If you're still just trying to do your own thing, then I don't think God is ruling over you as much as you need God ruling over you. Because you're not doing what Christ said, what he commanded. You're not laying down your life for this network of believers. Now, I can guarantee you that the first people that come to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, they will not be all true believers. They will not be all walking in the way. But the more you do, the more the Spirit of God comes into you and moves through you and is in your midst, and the more you will drive away those who will not receive that Spirit, and call unto you those who will receive that Spirit and that power will stop kings in their tracks it will drown pharaoh's army they will make choices that will destroy them you don't have to destroy them that's the the power of god that will destroy them they will fall on their own sword and i could tell you right now that's going on behind the scenes it's not even being reported in you know, but I'm not going to reveal it even on this radio program. I thought I would, maybe I will later, I don't know, but, uh, but the problem isn't what they're doing and the sword that they're going to fall on. The problem is you're not doing what Christ said. You're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands forming that vast net that is the kingdom of God. You're not exercising your power of choice in those free assemblies. Like I said, God's government is a civil government. The civil law is the law that men make for themselves. In the kingdom of God, the entire power of the civil law is in the hands of every individual elder in free assemblies. They don't sit there and make rules for the other nine uh people and or or for the others anyone else in in the assembly they sit down and they become a candle of light of righteousness in a free assembly and when they get up and walk away from that assembly it does not exist anymore except in their hearts and when they come back together again it exists again you have that right to freely assemble and what you give on the living altars of Christ his church is freely given and is untouchable it is sacred now you it is absolutely essential that you don't just have the form of the kingdom but you actually have the spirit of the kingdom what you choose to do the spirit that you let in you carries with it a power just it's it's like a disease you can't stop it you know we were talking about vaccines at the beginning you know, there's a ship. Uh, I think it's USS Henry, and everybody on it is getting mumps. They've been at sea since January, and by December they had all kinds of guys coming down with mumps. They all had the MMR vaccine because you can't even get on the ship without it. it there's, at most, there's a 25 day incubation period, but they're all they've all got mumps. I mean, and there's still guys coming down with illnesses the vaccine didn't work and actually had to be the source for the for the mumps <laughs> so uh the reality is that the same guys who did this to all those sailors want to force vaccinations on everybody in the population but once that starts coming it can release a pandora's box of disaster like you can't even imagine but the reality is the same thing, the same infectious spirit of God will go out and do the reverse of destruction. You know, because go back to what it says. They receive to themselves damnation. Well, you want to receive to yourself the blessings of God. So you have to turn around and do the other thing. You have to do the exact opposite. You can't just say, well, I'm not going to take the benefits. I'm just going to declare myself free. You have to actually seeking the kingdom of God, that's a job. That's a description of what you need to do. You're not going to be saved by what you do, you're still going to be saved by that spirit, but if you want that spirit to enter into you, you need to be doing the will of the Father. Not those who say Lord, Lord, those who do with the will of the Father. So where are where is the kingdom? Where are you meeting the form that Christ laid down for the kingdom? so anyway back to uh, the voice of the people they chose their ruler you say well i don't choose them i'm just going to be free man in christ where's the kingdom where is it so anyway we go on to verse 5 and it says the rulers gain uh more power in, Um in my notes here it says the rulers gain more power when the people give them power to take from their neighbor in order to obtain the wages of unrighteousness. Again, more live links. What are the wages of unrighteousness? That's a quote right from the Bible. That's the benefits of men who exercise authority. The benefactors of the earth, the fathers of the earth. That's who that are providing those benefits by taking away from your neighbor. That's you taking a bite out of your neighbor. This is how you become a surety for debt. And this is what's happened already. Now, if you want to undo that, you can't do it. It's a Gordian knot that binds you. You need the sword of Christ to cut that, and that means you have to do what Christ said. So, when we become the surety for debt, we we are not keeping the Sabbath. We're 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 taking benefits before they're paid for. And so, you go take all the Saturdays off you want. That's not keeping the Sabbath. You're in debt. You can't make that go away just because you sign a piece of paper or wave your hand. Now, there is a way out of the system now, but only as the called out and the ministers of God. There is soon coming a way out of the system of men, but it will not do you any good unless you are already seeking the system of Christ. Which is a righteous system based on faith, hope and charity, which you don't have just because you're a nice guy to a few people that you happen to meet on the street. That's not the kingdom kingdoms much more than that, and you have no you cannot conjure up the Holy Spirit; it lists us where it will now if it's awakening you great, but keep waking up, keep conforming to Christ when we do not sit down in the tens as commanded by Christ, and love one another in charity. We are slothful in his ways of righteousness, and we will remain under tribute. We will remain in the unrighteous mammon as merchandise, and our children will be cursed in the same way. When those who are called out do not come together in one accord to form that network, selling all they have, having all things in common, they are not his church. You need to do that. And there's several live links in that on the page that will take you to articles explaining what those things are. In verse 6, we see uh, when we swear allegiance to make social compacts, to serve the rulers in order to obtain security, or we are just slothful in the weightier matters. Remember, Christ condemned the Pharisees, because they were not attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Why? Who attends to the weightier matters in the kingdom of God? It's every man. you That's the civil law. You know, we don't have statutes in the civil law. I mean, we have the Ten Commandments. But the civil law is the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And that law needs to be written on your heart and on your mind, and you would be attending to it. If, you know, I just read a story where uh, a guy in Albuquerque was uh, accused by uh, a teacher who evidently was amazing that they were a teacher. They had all kinds of legal problems, you know. uh, I think they were guiding checks and... And shoplifting and everything else, but they also made an accusation that his four year old daughter accused him of molesting her. And it just, it just blew out of control. The kids were taken away from the parents. Uh, he couldn't even go home anymore. He lost his job. He had a really good paying job, worked for the government as a nuclear emergency something or other coordinator. And the, their kids were taken away and traumatized and put through one uh, set of tests after another and they, they were even it was a boy and a girl kid four and seven I think and they were separated from each other so they didn't have their parents they didn't have uh they, they weren't able to see their dad for months and months and months and eventually it came out that it was all it was just all false accusations but they fortunately he had enough money That he was able to fight them and hire the lawyers and all that stuff. You got enough money to do that? If that happens to you? Because if you don't get your kids vaccinated, if you don't do all the things that they got coming down, there's just, you wouldn't believe all the laws that they got stacked up coming, uh, down the pike now. Uh, you'll have your kids taken away from you. And, And maybe God will intervene, but are you intervening for others? See, that's the thing. The reason you sit down is not to be served, but to serve others. How can you serve others, especially those seeking the kingdom, unless you actually actively try to find those people and sit down with those people? Let God sort them out. But you got to sit down. You know, there was a guy in the Midwest homes, and I told him way back when they first started having trouble, they needed to get organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, they've got a little bit of a network. But they still haven't got their kid back. Had it taken away, this happens a lot in places like Kansas and Missouri and stuff. Uh, if you if you were a part of a network of thousands upon thousands of people, you would have already got your kid back, because you would have had not only your self righteous indignation, but the power of the Holy Spirit that would link arms and get your kids back but if you will not sit down in the tens hundreds the thousands then these things are going to happen because people think oh well, i'm just going to go off and be my own spiritual guru and guide and of course in the kingdom you are responsible for your spiritual relationship with the father and but you come to get the way you get god to hear your voice is you hear the voice of others You don't do it by self-righteous indignation that everybody else is evil, or the world is evil, or the governments of the world are evil. You you remain alone, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You need to care about others as much as you care about yourself. And you need to put that care into action. And the way to do that is to follow the plan and structure of Christ. So yeah, okay, you don't swear allegiances and you don't make social compacts to serve rulers in order to obtain security or we, but are you slothful in the weightier matters? Are you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands caring about other people's children as much as you care about your own? No. Well, if you're not, then don't expect good things to happen. Expect, because that's evil. Sloth is evil. And so you have to overcome all these things. If it's not working out, there's something you probably need to do or learn or accept or follow in order to alter the outcome. And you have to have faith in the righteousness of God and continue in that faith. And you can't just pick up your cards and go home because somebody doesn't agree with you. You... It's vanity that keeps you from... You see, the more every one of you tries to serve every other one, the more the power of the Holy Spirit can flow in you. This is why He who is greatest in the kingdom is servant to all. So you come together in the tens to serve others, not to save your own bacon. That's absolutely important to understand. So we're going to cover a couple more verses here. And then we'll go on to uh, some of the letters that we have received in, in pointing this out when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what did Jesus mean when he says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Well, this is something that people really seem to gloss over or miss. In First Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. just goes on and on, a big long list. Shall not inherit the kingdom. You know, have nothing to do with these guys. But the reality is, is that God is judged, not you. You're not supposed to be judging these people. You're supposed to be loving them because that's the way you drive out demons is with that love which is a utility, is a power. It's not an emotional feeling. You can't conjure up that love. Love is a gift. To have the love of God in you, that power of God in you is a gift. It comes when you repent and submit to the Holy Spirit and accept the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you, you know, let's, let's go back to, uh, in, in, in Luke, uh, where it talks about the unrighteous mammon. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you in everlasting habitations be friends with the mammon of unrighteousness what is that mammon is not money mammon well mammon is entrusted wealth you your children your, your labor your land your sweat your toil it's all held in a trust that's why your merchandise your merchandise in the unrighteous mammon and it says make friends with it. In other words, don't cheat Caesar. Pay Caesar what is Caesar. This is exactly inconsistent with what Christ is saying all the time. That's the thing is if you just pick and choose and say, oh, well, I'm just only going to listen to this and you, you, it doesn't fit with everything else. You probably are misinterpreting <laughs> because it, it needs to fit. It needs to fit with everything else. And so he's saying make friends with it so that you will be, you know, received in my everlasting habitations. Well, he said this early on in his ministry, and then later on many people were, were received. You have to remember the Sanhedrin had already broken down. The Sanhedrin that was in Jerusalem was not the legitimate Sanhedrin. The king, there was no king in Jerusalem. Herod Antipas wasn't in Jerusalem. The one who had tried to sit there died. Uh, at the hands of his own father. And, uh, the next one that tried to sit after Christ, he, his belly ruptures open and worms come out. So, I mean, where is, where was the real Sanhedrin? Well, that was the 70 that Christ appointed. He, he's taking the civil government away from the Pharisees who have, through their Corbin, their system of socialism, had, were making the word of God to none effect. And he was going to appoint it to another group who was going to be that civil government. But they couldn't exercise authority one over the other. So where was the power of the civil government? Back in the hands of the elders of each individual. So in order to exercise that power, they had to sit down in free assemblies and not be slothful in attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. This is, again, you're back to multiple jurisdictions. We see the same thing popping up with Sharia law, and there's actually places in England and places even in the United States where Sharia law is being used. And, you know, I don't want to get into the whole Sharia law thing, what the heck that means. Sharia law is just the interpretation of the law. And amongst radical Muslims, the Sharia law is a bad thing. If you can find righteous Muslims, it would be a good thing. (laughs) But, uh, you know, thats I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with us focusing on Christ's law, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself, and to love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, which means you have to accept everything that Christ says in spirit and in truth. So anyway, he goes on, uh, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in the much. So if your, your goal is to get out of paying taxes, you're probably not of any value in the kingdom of God. If your goal is to serve your fellow man, well then you will do that. And if, and you will do it honorably. All you have to do is focus on what's right in whatever status you find yourself in. And if you let the Holy Spirit in, eventually you'll be cast out. That's what Israel, the Christians were cast out of the system. They couldn't stop them from repenting and freely assembling and caring for one another and loving one another. So they said, if you get that baptism, you're going to be cast out. And within 50 days, you know, after Christ's crucifixion, they were working daily in the temple and the other guys were out. You know, what would I, what would be the case if, 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 well, uh, again, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I, I'm held back from telling you. But the fact is, is that the governments of the world are going to fall on their own sword in many places. I can't say in every place. And, and we'll talk about that maybe later. I uh, probably won't do it until the afternoon show, but. And if you have been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, which is that unrighteous mammon, is this system uh of righteousness. And it's, he goes on to say, most people miss this. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, and vice versa. So, you will be cast out of the system. He goes on immediately and says, And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. But they hated him, but they ended up making a law, that if you got his baptism, you were kicked out. He, they thought that would intimidate everybody so that they would not, um, you know, they would not get his baptism. But they did anyway, and they were cast out of the system. Now they are legitimately out of the system. And then the, at the same time, the Pharisees say we have no king but Caesar. And, but there are these others that were called Christians. Most all of them were Jews at first. Uh, uh, by the thousands, who said there is another king. Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the King. And, and some people, you know, don't get that yet. You know, Ben Shapiro doesn't get that yet. Uh, but I see tracks in Ben that are not far from the kingdom. But, he, ha- he doesn't, he doesn't understand. And reasonably so, because we have all kinds of ministers out there who are not actually preaching what the kingdom is. And most Christians don't know what it is. They don't understand that it is another form of government. The church is another form of government. It's a government that does not exercise authority. We are not rulers over the people. We want the people to be ruled by Christ in their hearts and in their minds. And if you are ruled by Christ in your heart and your mind, you will sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands out of love for one another. Because otherwise you you won't know who to save and protect and to accept into your home and et cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um in uh in Hebrews six ten it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. So, wait a minute. Who are the saints? The saints are the ones who are separate. Who are the ones that are separate? Well, the apostles were all told that they had to be separate in the world, but not of the world. Everybody else was still of the world until they got the baptism of Christ in Jerusalem, and then they were cast out of the world. So they became separate because the world said they were separate. Paul's writing Romans. The Jews in Rome were already kicked out by Claudius. They People believe he wrote the, the epistles of Rome from Corinth, and that it was around 55 A.D. Well, uh, Claudius was done by 54 A.D., But Claudius had evicted Jews from Rome as troublemakers. Well, who were these Jews? They were the Christian Jews. They weren't just Jews. They were Christian Jews. Now, other Jews may have been kicked out, too. But the Christian Jews were the ones who were separate. And they had their own living temple walking around. And they were following the ways of Christ taking care of one another in private religion, not using the public religion of Rome. And they didn't want this to catch on with Romans, and it was starting to catch on with Romans. So he he couldn't kick out Romans, so he kicked out all the Jews. So now the Romans had no Jews amongst them, and all the controversies that come up with Paul in Romans, you know, do you have to get circumcised like all the Jews and all this kind of stuff? And he's saying no. No. It's the circumcision of the heart that's the important thing, not the outside ritual. And he's right. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going around trying to do the outside ritual again, and they're not attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. They have no daily ministration. They are not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Their ministers are not conforming to the commands of Christ, and yet they say they're the church. Not so. So you have to turn around and go the other way, which is the way of Christ. And he will not forget what you do. His power will come in there. And then when you get dragged into court or they try to take your kids away, you will have the people of the Holy Spirit come in there and the judges will bow to the will of our Father. I believe that. I have seen that. If, if you're not seeing that, maybe you haven't repented enough. You're not thinking enough in the ways of Christ. So anyway, and I say this out of love. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I'm not here to tickle ears, as I said. I'm here to give you the truth. So anyway, I wrote all this, and we didn't get to those last verses, so we probably ought to, uh, go over there and, and, and take a look at some of those last, uh, verses here, and, uh, in the six, I talked about the, the allegiance that people make to get these social compacts. And okay, you don't want, you don't want their benefits, but you haven't yet become the benefactors that don't exercise authority. And some of you should probably become ministers of Christ. Some of you should become just elders in free assemblies. And both of them have equally important roles. They are not Every role that makes you higher in the kingdom is the role of being a servant to others. And the elders of the congregations are servants through the minister they choose. And by supporting him in his ministry, you know, not like a lot of these other preachers living in million-dollar mansions or anything. You don't want that, that. There is a structure that God put upon Israel at the beginning. And if you don't know that the altars were always living altars. Always meant to be living altars. If you don't know what the incense was. And all these things. I'll be talking more about that later. If you don't understand that it wasn't about burning up sheep. It was about a social safety net. And that network suddenly became an army for Abraham overnight. And was an army... Uh, when Philistines and what have you attacked Israel, but when they decided to change the structure and elect a man who could exercise authority and do what is right, they they fell out of grace with God. So anyway, um, in verse 7, uh, which I guess we could actually read verse 7 here, uh, so that people who are not following along can know where we're talking about it. It talks, render therefore to all their dues. Render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's? Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So, owe no man anything. Well, the reality is, everybody in the United States, every citizen of the United States, owes their surety for a billion dollar debt. You can go look up the debt clock and just see it climbing. You you owe. And it's because you weren't keepers of Sabbaths. It's because... You weren't attending to the weightier matters because you did not have the Corbin of Christ. You depended upon, or your parents depended upon the Corbin of the Pharisees, uh, the social welfare systems that operate by force, which was against what John the Baptist said. They still called themselves Christians, but they weren't doing what early Christians said, what John the Baptist said, what Christ said, what Paul said, what Peter said. They were actually engaging in covetous practices and became merchandise and cursed you as their child. Now, you want to change that. You have to think differently. You have to sit down together and start living by faith, hope, and charity. You don't be uh unfaithful in the unrighteous mammon. That is not the solution. If you've done that already, okay, now seek ye first the kingdom of God and start becoming a servant of Christ and God will not forget your... Your works. You're not going to be saved by your works. You're still going to be saved by grace because you can't do enough to get saved. So anyway, it goes on through verse nine, uh, for this thou shalt not commit adultery it gives you the ten commandments. You, you, we got preachers out there saying, oh, you don't have to keep the commandments. You just have to believe and you're saved. That's satanic. That is crazy satanic. But <laughs> that's what they're telling people. So anyway, uh, I should put, you know, their, uh, I, I have the numbers over on the side, but in 810, it says, modern Christians owe tribute because of sloth and wantonness, desire for those, you know, wages of unrighteousness, and uh is a surety for debt and cannot say he owes no man. So I explain all that, and these are all live links there, keep the commandments. They The modern Christians become workers of iniquity. They say, Lord, Lord, they say, look at all the great things that we've done in your name. But Christ warned them, fulfillment of the prophecy, that I'm going to say, get ye from me, you workers of iniquity. And you don't want to be hearing that. I mean, Billy Graham, shortly before he died, he says, boy, he doesn't want to hear God say, get ye from me, you workers of iniquity. I hope that worked out for him. But I don't, I'm not judging. I don't need to judge. I'm not supposed to judge. I'm just supposed to Give you freely the truth what God has given me. In verses 11 and 14, we go, if you are in bondage, the only way out is through Christ, which means you need to sit down in the tens, love your neighbor as yourself, form a daily ministration through charity and love instead of force and violence, which is what you have now. And all these churches are entirely dependent upon benefactors who exercise authority. They're dependent upon the fathers of the earth for their daily ministration. 90% of the charity that goes on in 90% of the churches is all through those men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. You are so far away from the kingdom, so far away from the righteousness, it just astounds me that you think that you're saved. You can't get back on your own. All you can do is turn around and start realizing that this is where we need to be going and start working in that direction. God will have to run out and meet you halfway. You don't have enough time to get all the way back. You don't have the energy to get all the way back. You don't have the wisdom to get all the way back. But that's why God will run out and meet you. But you have to sincerely realize, I was wrong. I need to think differently. So anyway, uh the way of Christ as Jesus commanded, includes that daily ministration, that tens, hundreds, and thousands, and that living by love and charity instead of force. The governments of the world are there to punish the wicked who are the workers of iniquity. The same as Saul punished the people for rejecting God when he foolishly imposed a tax, forced an offering upon the people. David did the same, but David repented and supposedly, maybe the people straightened out a little bit. I don't know. But the reality, by the time Solomon came, and the people were afraid of Solomon coming, they didn't want to accept Solomon. But David had no other error to give them. Because David had screwed up so bad. He did always come back to repent. And that's what you have to do, is come back to repent. But Solomon whipped them, chastised them with whips, and made their yoke heavy, but Christ said, my yoke is light. There's still a yoke. There's still a responsibility to do what Christ said. The more you are willing to take from your neighbor and biting your neighbor, the more the government will take from you. And the more you are willing to, uh, the more you will be devoured. Until you repent and seek the government of God and His righteousness and learn to live by faith, hope, and charity instead of this force, fear, and violence, you you will not have that grace of God protecting you and protecting your family. You have to be willing to lose everything and lay down your life, and God, God will be allowing whatever tests come your way. I can't do anything about that. And I'm sure many of you are very sincere, but you have to put on the full armor of God. You have to put on the white garments of the wedding. You have to conform in every corner and niche in your life to the ways of Christ. That is just going to be required of you. So anyway, some people were having trouble with uh, this uh, idea that the ministers of... The world, I mean the ruler of the world, let's put it that way, the rulers of the world are what Paul is referring to back there when he talks about rulers are, you know, in in that verse where he talks about these rulers. But nowhere else in the Bible does Christ use that word, you know, which is arch, it's a derivative of the word archa, ruler, uh, one who exercises authority. Does he use it in reference to his ministers? If Paul uses it there, and so some people think that has to do only with the church and not the rulers of the world. Now some people think it has to do with the rulers of the world too. And it does. But where they have problem, and I was going to see if I could come up and find where their actual letter was, <laughs> but, uh, they have a problem with uh, that, uh, uh phrases that Paul uses this other word for and, and talks about them being a minister of God. Personally I think there's only one other place he uses the word minister of God, that phrase, and that's in Thessalonians. And uh and it's in a different context. But uh if we if we look at um uh, The actual Greek phrasing—I don't want to get into the Greek syntax; it gets—it gets too overwhelming for people. But he's using this word "diakonos" there when he says "minister of God," and the word in the Greek "diakonos," even though it comes from a word that probably has to do with tens, by the time the you know this Greek term was uh, being used in that particular era, it means one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master. The ministers of the church are, are not, they are servants of Christ. They are not servants of the people. They serve the people because that's what Christ told them to do. So that's the chain of command. So they look like servants of the people, but the people are not their masters. Very important because they're separate from the government of the world. They're also separate from the people. Because the people may still have their uh, status compromised by their relationship to the world. They may still be under tribute, they may still be merchandise, they may still uh, be under a curse. but the minister serves them just the same if they what they were serving in them is their willingness to to be a servant of Christ, and in that way, Both elders and ministers are servants of Christ. So you see this word. But I believe that Paul was using that as a kind of hyperbole to say that they're still ministering. And that's why I went to all that trouble showing Saul was still a minister of God when he imposed the tax. It was a foolish thing to do, but he was simply fulfilling the prophecy of take and take and take and take. He was called out for it by Samuel, but Samuel had said, this is what's going to happen. But it was still foolishness for Saul. And Saul eventually fell on his own sword. Now Saul could have repented anywhere along the the way and not having to fall on his sword. And there were ministers in the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem who were not far from the kingdom. They would sneak in at night to talk to Christ and they evidently supported him and they were probably eventually cast out, including Caiaphas, out of the Sanhedrin and out of favor with this Unrighteous mammon. But the reality is those are individual stories. This is, seeking the kingdom of God is an individual journey. It's where you learn to walk alone together with others. And what, why I say alone, you're not really alone, you're walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, one individual, and I, I was, there's a lot more to this and I won't get to all of it. I was trying to see what, we'll watch the clock here. But there was another word. That is also, Paul uses in Romans 13, or in, in Romans anyway, uh, yeah, I guess it's in Romans 13 in there, eventually, uh, which is, uh, liturgos. It's not diakonos. And they're both translated servant. But liturgos, and we have a whole article up on liturgy, and what that, where that word comes from, and, uh, that particular word, is defined as a public minister, a servant of the state. Now, the ministers of Christ are servants of the state, but they're servants of you because the state is in you. Originally, that's where the state is. Your status as a free soul under God, you're the state. Individually, each family is a unit unto itself and the idea of these free assemblies is how do these families come together without giving up their sovereignty under christ you know uh, under christ's sovereignty their 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 position under christ's sovereignty how do they do that well they do it in free assemblies and they have no taxes they only have ties and the ties is based on ten families so they give what they choose, according to the servant uh the service of their minister. Their minister's doing a good job, give them more if he's not hold back anyway, we'll be back to keys of the kingdom. So we were talking about the fact that they use two different words that are in the Greek language in Romans thirteen that are translated into the single English word minister, and they are really very different words. And diaconus is can be a servant of men. It can it can be a lot of different things. And the other one is liturgios, which is specifically a public minister, a servant of the state. Uh, it's uh, it actually is connected sometimes with military laborers, but also with ministers in the temple. Now you have to remember when we say temple. There's the temple of God and there's the temple of men. Rome had all kinds of temples. Some of their temples mended money, some of their temples uh, took care of the needing, the free bread and the circuses of the people. Some of them took care of record keeping, uh, you registered birth certificates in the temple because that's where you're going to get your benefits from, so therefore they would be holding that. And, but, uh, so those were ministers, but then there was this other diaconus which was connected to the idea of ten minister of ten small minister but and and so we see that a lot used also but in Romans 13 both words appear in the the text paul uses both but you might miss that if you're if you're not um uh, familiar with the uh the language and what's actually being said because they translate both words into ministers. And one place he uses the word minister of God, uh, but he says for good or can be for evil if you are doing evil. And I point out that the evil that people were doing was they were taking a bite out of one another through the socialist state of Rome or the, the socialist estate set up by Herod the Great. Uh To his baptism, where you signed up and then you had to pay in, and that was operating by force. John the Baptist comes along and says, "No, we're not going to do it by force, we're going to do it by faith open charity. Jesus comes along and says, "We're going to do it by faith, open and charity, and he appoints his own sanhedrin uh because he is anointed by the high priest, who is John the Baptist out at who's moved the laver out to the Jordan River. So, you have dual governments going on here. You have the ones that the Pharisees running where the Sanhedrin had walked out with Menahan and others years before, and uh, was being had different high priests being put into power by Ananias, this wealthy man, and all the high priests were extremely wealthy and they lived in opulent uh, uh places and but there was no king in Jerusalem. There was King Philip you know, over in one-third of the kingdom. And there was uh, King Antipas uh, over there in Galilee and another third of the kingdom. And then there was Jesus who comes into Jerusalem and he's the king. And this is, this is risking his life. But uh, that's what was going on. But Jesus was saying, commanding, you know, 20,000 people, follow him out into the wilderness, probably at one of the festivals, probably at the Feast of Tent's. And he's out there with them and he says, okay, you want to receive loaves and fishes. You want to receive food because we need to have a distribution. You have to sit down in the tens, hundreds of thousands. And I command my ministers, the ones I have called out, the church, that's what ecclesia means, called out, the ones I have called out, to make the people sit down to the tens, hundreds of thousands so they're not going to get any loaves and fishes. So you got, 20,000, 30,000 people maybe because it's 5,000 men and their families have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands before they get anything. Can I do any different? <laughs> you know, I've talked several times in the show today about maybe telling you and then I keep being pulled back. I I want to tell you, but I can't tell you because you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And But I am telling you this, that you need to do that and you need to and you need to be friends with the unrighteous mammon if you're being called out though to be a minister then you need to come into one accord and sit down with the ministers and start doing what Christ said and following the command of Christ which is to make the people sit down in the tens under the thousands because the kingdom of God is like a net <laughs> that's what it's like and a net if, you know, you weave all those little parts of the net, that's what a net is like. It's a net work. It's a working of the net. And then you will have the Spirit of God moving through all those strands of the net and all those knots, and you will have the power of God with you. If not, you will only have the power of your own self-righteousness and not the righteousness of God. So, anyway, if you... If you uh, look in in there, which of the words uh, "minister" is which? Well, the first one where he says, "For he is the minister of God, a revenge to execute, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil." Well, that doesn't just mean bank robbers and rapists and murderers, which we have an abundance of, but it also means the covetous who who desire benefits at the expense of their neighbor. He's going to take a bite out of them. And he's going to take and take and take and take until they repent, until they cry out. Well, first they're going to cry out that they don't want to have it take and take and take and take away my right and, you know, force me into a divorce and take away my kids. and uh, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. Okay, that's not repenting. That's regretting. Repenting is when you become the benefactors of your neighbor by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and caring about them as much. Because now, that opens the door to the Holy Spirit. So, His sword may drive you to that. But then He goes on to say in verse 6, for He says, For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Now, that word minister is that liturgio. So where else do they use that word in the Bible? And that's what's maybe helped some of the people out. Well, the truth is they use it twice in Romans you don't find it in the new testament anywhere in the gospels but we know that though it was a very common word at the time but paul uses it twice he uses it in that verse 13:6 but he also uses it in romans 15:16 that i should be the minister of jesus christ to the gentiles ministering the gospel of god that the offering up of, of the Uh, Gentiles might be acceptable being sacrificed by the Holy Ghost. Wow! He's saying that I should be the minister of the state of Jesus Christ to the other nations, the, the members of other nations, ministering the gospel of God, which is the gospel of the kingdom, that the offering up of those Gentiles, those other nations, might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So how how do you sanctify this offering by the Holy Ghost? And how is this other nations doing this? Well, Paul sat down with the minister of Corinth, the, the treasurer of Corinth, and said, you know, you guys should be doing this by faith, hope, and charity, not by forced offerings. And Corinth used to do that. They had a history where they... they, Remember, these are the guys who say we are our walls. You know, they they had this voluntary government at one time back in the day. Now, they'd gotten away from that. Everybody throughout the Romans, Pax Romana, had all started doing it by force, which we see back with John the Baptist. John the Baptist wanted to do it by charity. You know, if you have two coats share, if you have Extra food, share, do the same in meats, he's saying. He's saying do it by charity. Everybody else is trying to establish it by force. And so Corinth was doing that. And Paul's coming to Corinth and saying, Oh, let's do it the other way. But he says, I should be this Liturgos, minister of Christ to what to what state? He's not he's not crowning kings in Corinth. He's not crowning kings in Ephesus like some churches do. He's crowning individuals. Saying, you take back your responsibility. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Do it the way Jesus... Because he preached Christ first. And he's going there and he's saying, you know, I'm going to come and talk to the ministers. You guys already have the collection up because I got to get going and going back to... And he's moving funds from Galatia to Corinth and... And from Ephesus to here and Jerusalem to there and and uh I mean that's what Paul and Barnabas are doing right away. Where what are they, what funds are they moving? Stuff they taxed from the people? No, they were sitting in the tens, hundreds of thousands and redistributing, rightly dividing the bread from house to house and sometimes that meant taking aid to other countries. And that meant Paul. So, where else did they use the word? We see it in Philippians 2, two twenty-five, 25 uh, You know, chapter 2, verse 25. Yet I supposed, if necessary, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. To my wants. What? What? He ministered. There's that word, liturgos. To my wants. To my needs. What was his needs? Helping other people. uh, Moving funds from Galatia to wherever. He was, these are ministers of the state. But they don't exercise authority like all the other ministers of the state. So, yes, you have the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and each of those groups of tens have a minister at the aconus. But the fact is, is that the church is another form of government operating by faith, hope, and charity. If you don't want to be a part of that, okay, but you will not be free because there is no salvation except through Christ. and the way, And the way of Christ is the way of charity and love, not the way of force. It is also not the way of sloth. It is not the way of neglect. It is the way of attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. In Hebrews one seven, we see the same word show up. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. His ministers a flame of fire. And this is what I talk about. And I I mentioned it briefly earlier in the show that, that you know, you, you may war against evil in high places. You don't do it. You just are this light of the Holy Spirit. You come in and everybody's cooperating. And I'm sure many of you out there have seen this, where you get away with stuff that everybody says you can't get away with. But are you turning up the light of the Holy Spirit? Are you progressing constantly, repenting constantly, getting closer and closer to the plan of Christ, conforming to Christ so that we can turn up the flame of the that that Spirit of Christ? Remember the flame of fire, baptism of Spirit and of fire. That's what Christ is bringing. We need the Spirit of Christ in every elder, in every minister. And, but these ministers of ministers need to have the flame of fire turned up in them. That they will be able to come in and, and, and manifest that power through them. They, they're not the power. Power is Christ. The power is the Holy Spirit. But they become a conduit for it. But you cannot become a conduit if you will not bow to the will of Christ, the will of the anointed king of the kingdom of God, which is a civil government, not where we make laws for you, but where you are allowed to listen and follow and exercise that power of choice because you are following the Holy Spirit. And this Connection that we have with one another and with the Holy Spirit puts power in the kingdom of God that is not in the kingdoms of the world, and they they bow to that power. They they are afraid of that power. The other place we see it also is in Hebrews, which is uh, in uh, eight two. It says, "Ministers of the sanctuary." There's that word. It, a ministers of the state, of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. The Lord pitched and not man. What is he talking about? This is, we're talking in the spiritual realm here, but, you know, you go back to Paul talks about this brother who ministered to my wants. And remember when they were talking about minister to the saints? The reality is this, and, and there's other words besides this, this word, uh, uh, liturgos. Liturgos actually is t- from two words. And, uh, one of those words is the word that actually means laos. people. That's what it means, like lao, uh, Nicolaitin is the conquered people. But these ministers of the people that are willing to live by faith, hope, and charity, they are the people that are set free. They are not the conquered people. They are not the Nicolaitans. Uh, because these ministers are not rulers. They're ministers of the sanctuary. What does is, what is sanctify means? It means the separate, the separate system. This true tabernacle made out of living people gathering together in free assemblies in a network of faith, hope, and charity, and love, which the Lord pitches. The Lord is in control. He's setting this up. The same as the world out there is preparing to fall upon their own sword. They make rules. They love making rules. They love exercising authority. They don't like keeping rules. And, you know, the same is, you know, the you know, I just, I want to reveal so many things to you. I want to share them, but I can't. I'm not allowed to tell you, you know, what's going to happen to the apostate church. it's not my doing. What you I'm trying to get you to do is to become the church established by Christ. To conform to Christ. To stand up with Christ in your heart and in your mind. To allow God to pitch you as his tabernacle. To be the true tabernacle of God. Those that are not. Will. They have already set in motion. They have already put in rules. In in their churches. and, And in their. And the daughters of their churches. They've already put in the rules that will. Destroy them. Will bring about their destruction. They don't know it. They can't see it coming. Because they are blind guides. The same with the world. You know, the governments of the world. I mean, we have the apostate church and all its daughters. And uh we have the governments of the world, which are the civil governments that do exercise authority one over the other. There are the fathers of the earth who supplanted the Father in heaven because you gave them power and your parents gave them power and because you sinned. And I'm not condemning you for it. I'm saying this out of love so that you wake up to the fact that, oh man, we went down the wrong road for a long way. <laughs> now, we have to turn around and go back. But if you are not coming back with a desire to be the servant of your father, you're, he's not going to run out and meet you halfway. You're not going to make it. You need to come back to be a servant. Don't go to church for that good feeling. You go to the church to be a servant. And and take the lowest position, the most humble position, and stop trying to dictate to everybody else what they're supposed to believe and not believe. Continue to be uh, faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Unless, of course, you're being called out to be a minister, but then you need to come into one accord with others that are actually conforming to Christ. And then you might become a minister of the sanctuary, that which is separate. That true tabernacle pitched by the Lord and not by men. So I'm I'm telling you, I'm sharing with you. I'm not dictating to you, but I cannot share with you anything more than what has been given to me. And evidently, I'm not allowed to share some things with you <laughs> that <laughs> that have been given to me that I see taking place. Uh, but I guess we can only do that around the campfire, so anyway, uh, maybe you can come to the burning Bush festival this year <laughs> and we'll share you some of those things, and things will have progressed farther on on that point the The world is shifting it always is shifting, I think it's shifting a little bit more. it seems like I see it shifting more, but I see the spirit uh also moving upon the face of the deep which is the seas are always representing people and i hope it's moving upon your heart and upon your mind that's that's my prayer but i have no control over that you must humble yourself before the lord and be willing to see that i haven't not seen i have been blind i was better off in my father's house and my father's house is not made by me or my imagination. It is me conforming to the ways of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. So anyway, we did get kind of to the end here. There's a lot more I could say, and maybe we'll say it this afternoon. Uh, But until then, I can only say peace on your house and may God be with you. Hope to see you on the network. Go to preparingyou.com. Join the network. Go to hisholychurch.org, join the network, and we'll meet in the kingdom. God bless.
0: You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.